we are in the middle of a series called Great Friendships of the Bible, and there's a friendship I didn't want to skip over. Because the Bible is honest about some of our friendships that go south that just don't work out, I wanted, I wanted to talk about Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. We're in the New Testament now, and um, uh, Paul will, years later, after what we'll see today, Paul will, years later, write to the church in Rome, Romans 12, 18, and says, say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. So that is the gold standard, live at peace with one another. But he qualifies it not just once, but twice. I mean, if possible, as far as it depends on you. And I wonder whether he was reading when he was writing that, whether he was thinking about his friendship with Barnabas that did go south, and they ended up breaking up and parting ways as friends. So, the making of a great friendship, that's, that's where Paul, Paul and Barnabas started. They are kind of a case study in the making of a great friendship. At the time, uh, Saul had, until recently, been a persecutor of the church, as far as the church was, he was like the Osama bin Laden of their time. He was terrorizing, imprisoning, and killing Christians in Jerusalem because he hated Jesus so much. And he's exporting his terrorism to Damascus, and on his way, Jesus himself in resurrected life reveals himself and confronts Saul, says, Saul, why are you doing this to me? And Saul has an incredible conversion. He's saved. He's filled with the Spirit there in Damascus. And so he, he then comes back to Jerusalem where he's living at the time. And in Acts 9, verse 26, when he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. They just thought he was going to infiltrate, get names and addresses, and find more Christians to imprison but here comes Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was a nickname. His real name was Joseph. Barnabas roughly means the encourager. Here comes the encourager. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him, took Saul, and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So there's only one guy who's going to stick up and put his neck on the line for, for Saul, and it's the encourager, it's Barnabas. This becomes the beginning of their friendship. Uh, over the next few years, um, Saul returns to his birthplace in Tarsus, and Barnabas is sent by the church in Jerusalem to another church way up in the north in Antioch, uh, where some amazing things were happening, and Barnabas ends up being one of the pastors there up in Antioch, but we're told in Acts 11, verse 25, then Barnabas took a time out. He went to Tarsus to look for who? Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It was such an influential church. So I like to think that, that, that this encourager, Barnabas, gave Saul his first full-time church staff position. He brings them under his wing, and they minister together. And then a couple of chapters later, still in Antioch, while the church there was, this is chapter 13, verse 2, when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Set apart these two ones for me. 
for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. The first time, the very first time missionaries were ever formally sent out from a church. And this becomes, Saul becomes the apostle Paul, and this becomes Paul's first missionary journey. He and Barnabas did it together. Saul and Barnabas became the dynamic duo of the missionary world in the early church. But by the time we get to Acts chapter 15, after they'd finished that first journey, months long, and came back to Antioch and just, uh, j- just hung out there for a while, in verse 36 of chapter 15 of Acts, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back. Let's visit those believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord. And all that, that, that adventurous journey we took together, Barnabas, let's go back and Let's preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And this is the painful falling out. That This is going to be the moment where this amazing friendship starts to fall apart. Because there was a disagreement here. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia. That's southern Turkey and had not continued with them through the work. On that first journey, they'd gone through Cyprus and up to the south co- uh, shore of Turkey. By the way, a year from tomorrow, I'm going to be leading a, a 10-day trip to Turkey, and we're going to be visiting some of these sites. Um, and you're all welcome to come with me, by the way. That's the point of it. And uh, Barnabas wanted to take John because they'd gone through Cyprus, and, and they got up to the southern coast of Turkey. I've been there. It's extremely hot at many times of the year, and then you look in land, you see all these mountains. Mark lost his heart. He lost his courage, and he went back to Jerusalem. And uh, Barnabas wanted to give him another shot. Mark was actually Barnabas's cousin. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. And so this argument, you get the feeling this becomes, between two good friends, between two men of God, this becomes a very heated argument. I can, I can just imagine. I mean, Paul's saying, Barnabas, you know, I nearly got killed on the last trip. And, and, and this is going to be even worse. Like, we cannot afford to carry around dead weight with us. I mean, he abandoned us last time. And I don't want to be kind of kind of playing nursery with a guy who's not up to this kind of thing. It's about the mission. we're, We're here to plant churches and preach the gospel, and we cannot afford dead weight to distract us. And I can just imagine Barnabas saying, Paul, I can't believe you. I mean, when you got saved up there in Damascus, you came back to Jerusalem, nobody believed that you came to Christ. And who's the one guy Who's the one guy who stuck his neck out for you? It was me. And now you don't even want to do it for another guy. And this is a conflict they came into, and it says that, verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. It hurts my heart every time I read that. Like, technically, these are men of God. I mean, one famous Bible scholar said, this is just flat out hard to read. I mean, they had a disagreement that was so sharp that they parted company. 
Some of us have uh, walked that path ourselves. Maybe you've had a marriage that hasn't worked out, even with another Christian. Maybe you've had a good friendship, and it kind of broke up. You kind of got on the other side of an issue from each other, or something happened, and attitudes started to develop, and Uh, The person who was your best friend 10, 12 years ago, you barely talk to today. You've just gone different ways. I mean, uh, and yet we're all Christians in some cases. I mean, how do we make sense of that? I mean, how do we make sense of all of this? Well, I think think about three different things when I try to process this very difficult story. First of all, I have to remind myself that God's always working even when our friendships aren't. <laughs> you know, and, and this is really tough because we're really hurting sometimes. But it's like, it's like Brad was saying, we've got to worship in the waiting. I mean, God's still doing something. Listen, God's always working, even when our friendships are not. We see this in verse 39. As it says, they had such a sharp disagreement, they parted company. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Cyprus was the first place they went to on that first journey. And Mark stuck with them through that whole time. It wasn't until after they left Cyprus that he bailed out. So for Barnabas, this is sort of rinse and repeat. (laughs) We're going to go back to where Mark's familiar. We're going to try this again and and see if maybe we can have a different outcome this time. And he gives them an opportunity there. Meanwhile, verse 40 goes on to say, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening all the churches. Now, now, it, it reminds me that first of all, we can't play judge and jury. When our friendships have broken apart, our hearts are hurting in spite of our best attempts, like Paul and Silas. We've got to realize God's always working, and so we've got to avoid playing judge and jury here. The strange thing about this story is the Bible doesn't tell us who was right. Was Barnabas right? Yeah. We don't know that for sure. Was Paul right? We don't know that for sure. It doesn't tell us who won, and I want to know who won. Because when my friendships break up occasionally, I want to know it was not my fault. But I have to just pull back a little bit and relax and realize that eh, it's not my place to play judge and jury. But i got to trust that God is still working somehow. And in the meantime, I can't let this cripple me. I've just got to keep moving forward in what God's called me to do. You just keep moving. You don't play judge and jury, but you just keep moving forward. I know your heart's hurting, but you got to move forward. And um, turns out that second missionary journey for Paul, Saul, who becomes Paul, he takes Silas with him, and it's very brutal, and that journey turns out to be years long. And it's probably good he didn't, he didn't have Barnabas with us and always worrying about Mark. I mean, he needed a guy with the toughness of Silas. And it's because of that second missionary journey. I don't know who, whether Paul was right. I don't know whether Barnabas was right. Apparently, maybe they were both right. How can that be? Because because of that second missionary journey, we have books in our Bible like Philippians and First and Second Thessalonians and First and Second Corinthians, all, all places where Paul started churches. And, and then on top of it, we, 
we have Mark apparently going back to Cyprus, starting again, starting in a safe place. Apparently it worked this time. Barnabas, his, inv- his investment, um, even though he really disagreed with Paul, because this was Barnabas, he was the encourager. Uh, Paul was like the ministry machine, the missional guy. Nothing's more important than the mission. And Barnabas has said, yeah, Paul, but what about mentoring? What about the opportunities here? And it turns out that, that, that Mark, he must have made it. He wrote the second book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. And, and, and tradi- church tradition tells us that he later came alongside, after Barnabas' investment, he came alongside in a wonderful way the Apostle Peter and ended up, Mark himself, going to Egypt and Ethiopia to preach the Gospel and started the great church in Alexandria in Egypt where he was later, later martyred. Who knows who was right? All, all we know is that they, they were so... They were so sharply disagreed with each other that they had to part their ways. But God was still working. God was still working. Because this is the other thing I think about. You know, in the moment, we never know what the end of the story is. So we always want to keep the doors open to people. I've seen this happen. I've had people leave churches I've passed. They don't think I'm as good a preacher as other people they'd rather hear or whatever it is. Sometimes I hurt my feelings, but... But you know what? Um, it's amazing how sometimes they come circling around again. And it's just important that I don't burn bridges behind me. Paul apparently didn't do this. And obviously, I don't think Barnabas did either. But especially we have information from Paul. Years later, in Colossians 4, verse 10, Paul said, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Notice he doesn't demonize either of them. He doesn't say, now Mark, the deserter, boy, did he ever let me down. But, but, but he's coming to you, so will you take care of him? Neither does he say, Mark, the cousin of that loser Barnabas. I haven't talked to him in years. He doesn't do that either. I mean, I, every time I read that verse, it just there's this sense that maybe there's some respect here. You know, he doesn't demonize them, doesn't post bad about them on social media. And then, and then verse 11 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, Paul's about to die, and he, he writes, Timothy, only Luke is with me right now, so get who? Mark! And bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. It says first, listen closely to this. It says first of all to me, if I'm going to keep the doors open, if I'm not going to burn, burn bridges relationally, some of us are so hurt that we do retaliate and we minimize the hope that anything could ever come full circle again. Uh, but, but to do that, I've found that um, I can't be more forgiving of myself than I am of the other person. Don't be more forgiving of yourself than the other person. What on earth do you mean by that? You see, it's very easy for me to say, well, I didn't mean to hurt their feelings. I mean, I know I've hurt people. I, I feel very bad about that. But usually I've, never, usually I've never meant to hurt them, you know. Or, or oh, um, you know, I just forgot. I made that commitment to that, my friend, and, and I just forgot. I let them down at a critical time, and... And they seem like they're having nothing to do with me. But, but, you know, I just forgot. I mean, I didn't mean to. I just forgot. And, and 
I didn't know they were going through what they were going through when I said what I said to them. You, you, you know, I, I didn't know that. And, and, and they didn't know what I was going through when I reacted. And, and so we're very easy to forgive ourselves and let ourselves off the hook. But we're not very quick to let the other person off the hook. You, you always have to be as forgiving of the other person as you are forgiving them. I mean, maybe they didn't mean to either. I mean, who knows what they might have been going through. I mean, they might have just flat out forgot, like you've forgotten sometimes. So to keep the door open, you give the benefit of the doubt. You, you, you don't harbor. You, you let the Lord walk you through forgiveness, and you take your pain and give it to him, but, but you're forgiving. You're at least as forgiving of them as you are of yourself. And then as much as possible, you stay sweet and respectable. You stay sweet and respect them as much as possible. There's Paul's phrase from Romans 12. As much as possible, as much as within you, live at peace with each other. And you just respect people. You don't throw stones. You don't vilify them. You don't demonize them. Try to stay sweet. On the occasional times, you may connect with them. I alluded last week last Sunday morning to uh, my best friend when I was in graduate school at the University of Minnesota. I was in engineering. He was in architecture. He went on into the business trade, uh, to the construction trades, and was very successful here and in Asia. And the two of us were like these two students who helped to start this university church. And we prayed together by the hour. He was my best friend. But after we started the church, I mean, our expectations went different directions, and I, I didn't have the maturity to probably know how to deal with this prob properly, and um, we, we had a, I mean, our friendship went south. We had a parting of the ways, and, and um, it was years and years before we ever talked to each other again, partly because he, he had moved to the other side of the world, and we had lost touch, but I'm grateful, I'm grateful he did stay sweet. He, he didn't, he really, I really disappointed him in some things I did. I regret that. But he didn't villainize me. He stayed respectful and sweet, even though he felt like we couldn't work together anymore. And um, it was one of the most painful things. But I, I tried not to do that to him. And I'm grateful to be able to tell you that 40 years later, we have been keeping in touch with each other again. When I travel through a certain state in our country, um, I sometimes stop and see him. We sometimes pray over the phone together. You know what? Keep the doors open. Just keep the doors open. Because God's always working and we don't know the end of the story. And then the last one where... Uh, we're just going to land, is this. Well, you have a lot of relation, where you do have a lot of relational pain, never let your personal hurts erode your confidence in God. Our personal hurts never need to erode our confidence in God. There's no Barnabas in this story, but just before Paul dies, his, the last letter we have from Paul in the New Testament is to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 16. Paul had appealed his case to Caesar. So now he's in prison in Rome. And before he has his case before Caesar, he has a preliminary trial. And he's in Rome. And there's a thriving church in Rome that he'd already written to years earlier, Book of Romans. And he says in verse 16, at my first defense, 
No one came to my support. But everybody deserted me. He said, I walked into that courtroom. It was nerve-wracking. It was my preliminary trial. I knew that this would probably, the outcome of this trial would probably cost me my life. I didn't know it was coming for me in that first case. I walked in that courtroom. I desperately needed to know that at least somebody from the church showed up to support me. I looked around the gallery in that courtroom and there was not one friend there. My brothers and sisters in Christ let me down. My church let me down. At the critical moment in my life, nobody stood with me. And I want to tell you, it gets that way sometimes. But what I love about the Apostle Paul is that he didn't let his relational pain, his loneliness, his sense that he'd been let down by people he trusted, he didn't let that erode his confidence in Jesus. Because look what he said. May it not be held against them. Because the Lord, nobody from the church was there. None of my friends were there. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. I want to tell you, I don't care what's happened relationally in your life. If you look to him today, there's a Jesus standing right here. You may be humanly lonely. You may feel your church let you down. Your friends let you down at your point of need. But if you walk with Jesus, he has always been standing by your side. And even relational pain doesn't need to erode your confidence in him. That's why Paul, and I'm going to ask Brad and Rebecca to come and they're going to help us sing the response to this. That's why Paul says in Romans 8.31, when he earlier had written this church that was now letting him down, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son. He gave his son on the cross, gave himself up for us. He took our sin on himself on the cross. Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all so that we could know him. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Graciously give us all things. Nobody was there in that courtroom but Jesus stood with me, Paul says. So if God's for you, who can be against you? In the face of even pain, even people who have let us down, we rejoice because there is one whose care is undying for us. And who knows? God's always working And we never know the end of the story. But if God's for us, who can be against us? If he's for us, who can be against us? I'd like you all to stand with me.